Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, budgeteers. Today, we want to talk to you about student loans. I'm your host, Coach Nino Villa. Alongside of me, as always, my partner on the airwaves, Sarah Jones. And like I said, we want to talk about student loans because there is a lot of chatter in the news about student loans. And it's kind of hard to discern what's real and what is just clickbait headlines that leads to a lot of misinformation about different programs and all these different things that the government is promising student loan borrowers. So we wanted to take a look, take a deeper dive and really dig into what's really going on with student loans currently. You know, I think this is great, Nino, because I'm finding with a lot of people that I talk with that people just aren't even aware of their student loans in general, right? What programs are they a part of already? Are they in, you know, deferment or forbearance or what interest rates, payments, you know, are my loans being forgiven? Are they not? It's just, um, you know, I think this is a great topic because um, bringing awareness to this, it's not something you can sweep under the rug, right? We want to bring it out and um, make sure that everybody knows where they're at. Um, if you don't know where you're at, you can't make a plan going forward, right? So let's figure out where you're at with all these, all these student loans that people have. Yeah, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna have another quick uh, vocabulary lesson. You know, I'm, I'm notorious for my vocab lessons, but <laughs> when you're talking about student loans, there are probably mm -hmm. at least three words that you should be aware of and kind of know what they mean. Those three words would be forgiveness, mm -hmm. deferment, and forbearance. There are others like default and whatnot, but I think it's really important to kind of know, like, what are we talking about when we're talking about forgiveness? What are we talking about mm. when we discuss deferment? And what is the difference between deferment and forbearance? And we'll get into all of those. I don't want to start with defining each of those, but those are going to be three mm -hmm. words that we're going to kind of use and share and uh, take a closer look at. And I want to, I want to be real upfront with our listeners right from the get-go. I am going to take my information directly from studentaid.gov. It's the government website that is all things federal student loans. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in any of the clickbait headlines. We will discuss what some of those are and what they're kind of suggesting and where all the flaws are, but my information is not coming from those articles. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, you should do this or that because of those articles. Uh, if I advise you anything, uh, it'll be to go to studentaid.gov and kind of see this information for yourself. So to get us started, the first place I wanted to start with was with a recent announcement that the federal government made. So the federal government recently announced that the student loan payment pause, that whole thing that has started because of COVID, where they have mm -hmm. essentially uh, 
stopped uh, collecting payments for student loans, that pause has been extended until August 31st, 2022. And that mm-hmm. comes again directly from the studentaid.gov website. So I think that maybe a lot of people breathe, breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Okay, I have a couple more months to figure this out before I go back into repayment. And so, you know, I, I'd like to take our time today, Sarah, to kind of talk about everything that's going on with student loans so that when people get back to repayment, they can mm-hmm. make really good, wise, informed decisions about how they re-enter into their repayment. Absolutely. And I think it's important to mention here, Nino, that, um, and again, according to studentaid.gov, right, that these programs, they're for eligible loans. So it's not for every single loan out there. That's important, number one, because I've run across people, I'm sure you have too, right, that think, oh, my loan, it's just, I don't have to worry about it government put it on pause, right? But it's really for eligible loans um, mm-hmm. for that, um, you know, the pause extended through August 31st. Um, and that pause um, for the eligible loans, right? Suspension of loan payments. Um, you could see a 0% interest rate, um, you know, stopped collections on defaulted loans. But I think it's important, you know, I think the keywords there, right? Eligible. So, what yes. does that mean, right? What does what does eligible loan mean? Um, and how, you know, can I just be frank here and say Please. that, <laughs> you know, this is a great website for people to go to to get a ton of information, right? And I don't I don't believe in living in a world where we kind of keep our head in the sand and say, well, I don't know. I don't know what loan I've got, or I don't know what this means. You know, here's a great website. I mean, listening to the podcast is awesome, but can I just say, go to the website and read and and gather some information so you have a better understanding of what loan you have and what does it mean specifically for you? Um, You know, and that's kind of some real talk and, and, you know, maybe some people think it's harsh, but truthfully use the, we've got this great thing called the internet. (laughs) And, you know, go directly to student aid and get studentaid.gov and get the information, right? Um, No more keeping your head in the sand because I think what's going to happen, and I might be sidetracking just a little bit here, but I want to help prevent any other things from happening come the end of August, right? Where people are like, I didn't know. And two and a half years have gone by. And now people are going to be in a panic because they didn't know what was actually happening with their student loans and what type of loan they had and what what um, the pause actually meant for them, right? So now it's time to figure it out yeah. so we don't get any farther into it. Yeah, uh, eligible, <clears throat> which, which ones are eligible? Well, while I do not want to sit here and kind of list off the ones that are eligible and not because we're not the expert and you can find that information on studentaid.gov, I do want to give at least one example so that you might have for our listeners, hopefully it'll really kind of encourage you to go and find out if your loans are eligible. Mm -hmm. So interesting story for you, Sarah, 
right before the pandemic and right before the federal government decided to put a pause on student loans, I, um, I took both mine and my wife's student loans and I refinanced them. So I consolidated them, refinanced them, got a better interest rate, um, put them all on the same timetable because they were all on different timetables time, time and whatnot. Well, you know who was not eligible for <laughs> student loan payment pause? Hmm. This guy. I wasn't because they were refinanced and my loans are not held by the Department of Education. So if your loans are not held by the Department of Education, they're most likely not eligible. Now, the truth of the matter is, when I go in to pay my student loans, there's a there's a link there that if I needed COVID-19 relief help, there was mm-hmm. some process that, that that financer had in place. I feel fortunate and blessed enough that I did not have to use it. But I wanted to give it as an example. Like if your student loans are not held by the Department of Education, then they were probably never under the pause. And even if they are with the Department of Education, you might still wanna go to the website and determine whether or not your loans specifically were Mm -hmm. eligible. Now, we are two and a half years down the road. I'm guessing those who know that whether or not they have payments, know that they should be making payments or not. But Mm -hmm. I think it's just, uh, it just reiterates the fact that there's a resource there available to you easy enough to, access. And, you know, I think it's important to mention really quick too, that, you know, people that um, maybe during this pandemic, right, maybe their loans came due and they were not due before. So this is still a good, right. So maybe you had the loans and you were making payments before and, and, you know, this pause came out two and a half years, but there might very well be some people that um, finished up school, right. They're, they're, um, loans came due, right? So payments were supposed to start during this time and maybe even, you know, within the last couple of months. So I don't think, um, my opinion is it doesn't matter when you, um, when your loans are, when your loans have come due, go to the website, right? And check it out just to make sure that you are aware of where your loan falls, what type of loan it is, if you qualify and if you don't, um, because we want you making smart choices, right? Um, so, and you know, one thing that, you know, too, with this, that, that I just want to, um, bring up, um, you know, and actually maybe I'll, I'll hold off on that for just a minute. you know, um, I just, I think my biggest thing that I want to hit home for people is, is, um, be aware of what your loans are, right? Just be aware, go and check, you know, log in. Um, take the time, it takes you less than five minutes, right? Um, once a month, even go in and check and see, has anything changed, right? Um, and I don't know if we're going to bring this up or not, but there are some loan service providers, right, that are no longer going to be servicing loans. And so your service provider might very well have already changed or might be changing and you you may not have received communication on that, or it might have been, you know, kind of missed in in the the sea of emails that we receive. So if you haven't already, log in and go check out what are your loans, who's servicing them right now, right? And get the information on that um, company and that website. 
Yep, studentaid.gov also allows you to log in to check those very things. So you're absolutely right. You visit the website, you get logged in, and the federal government will let you know who is servicing your loan and, and the terms of the, that loan. Mm -hmm. The understanding your loans, uh, you know, I think is the right place to start, uh, like you said. And part of understanding your loan is also understanding something that is just all the buzz right now, and that is you know, student loan forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You see headlines about student loan forgiveness all the time. You know, obviously there are talks uh, throughout the federal government that, about student loan <clears throat> forgiveness and how much they're gonna offer and who they're gonna offer it to and under what circumstances and terms they're gonna offer it. And of course, there are some student loan forgiveness programs that already exist. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take a brief moment and just describe what I mean when I say forgiveness. What, when, the, when the federal government talks about student loan forgiveness, they are talking about forgiving the balance or a portion of your balance of the loan. So if you owe $10,000, they may forgive a portion or all of that $10,000 and you would no longer owe that money. But we see all of these clickbait headlines. And I'll tell you right now, actually, I'm going to take a mo moment just to get fired up. I really cannot stand all the stupid headlines that are out mm. there about, oh, 4 million people may qualify for student loan forgiveness under a new proposal, blah, 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 blah. It's all a bunch of nonsense to get their clicks to have you read the article. The article is then filled with either misinformation or no real information whatsoever. And it's a bunch of hyperbole. So let's mm -hmm. talk about what's real. What's real is there are a number of forgiveness programs that already have existed. Mm -hmm. But I want to make something very clear about most, not all, but most of the forgiveness programs. Most of the forgiveness programs require you to make 10 or even 20 years of on-time payments before you're ever eligible to be forgiven. Mm. I want to pause and let that sink in for just a second. <laughs> 10 or as many as 20 years of on-time payments before you're even eligible for your mm. loan to be forgiven. And, you know, I might not be the smartest cookie in the jar. However, if I'm going to dedicate 10 or 20 years of my life to, you know, using that education, um, paying, making those payments on time, do, do I want to wait to see if they're going to be forgiven? I mean, I could have them paid off very likely. I could, I, I, if, if my plan is, right? If I'm driven in my plan, if I put together a good plan, I might very likely have those paid off before that, that before I even become eligible, right? Um, I'm just not a big believer, Nino, in waiting for those types of things to happen. I want to take action now, right? And, and waiting to see if something may or may not happen, take action now. So if, if I have a, you know, maybe forgiven a portion may be forgiven after 20 years. <laughs> I don't want to wait for that. I'm just going to get on the ball and get rolling. Uh, right. And just be done with it. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, if somebody's going to come along and offer me forgiveness, I'm not going to turn it down, but I'm not sitting around waiting for mm -hmm. somebody to offer me any forgiveness. And forgiveness from what? Because if you want to start talking about you know, student loans and and just the ridiculous nature of what they are and, and how they've come to be you know, over a trillion dollars, mm. I'm right there with you. I think it's dumb, but I'm going to turn the mirror on myself for just a second. I'm going to share what what now can maybe be a funny story. I'm still not laughing at it, but I will invite you to laugh at me for mm. this because it's epically stupid. Are you ready <laughs> for this, Sarah? Are you sitting I'm, down? I am sitting down and I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of you driving, you may want to pull off to the side of the road. This is so epically stupid mm. that, you know, and I, I, I have no one to blame other than myself. So when I, my, my, I'll try to make a really long story short, which is what I exact, what I say every time I'm going to make a long story long. Anyway, <laughs> I did not go to college right out, outside of high school. I took, I think only like one semester off. And then when I went the next semester, I was from a low income family. And so when I went to the community college, I was introduced to the financial aid department and they were the ones who put me on the path of filling out the federal student uh, aid application. And because I was from low income and because it was a community college, it turned out that I got grants at that time. And uh, of course, grants, you don't have to pay back. And But that was, that was my introduction to federal student aid, which includes grants, but most federal student aid is loans. So I didn't finish out my community college uh, days. I, you know, I kind of stopped and went, stopped and went. And then I um, got what I, what I affectionately call my first big boy job when I was about 24 years old or so. And uh, because I didn't have a degree, I, I, I really wanted to go back to school, get a degree to feel like I belonged amongst the other, you know, my colleagues and peers. So I enrolled back into school, and at that point, um, you know, I was no longer necessarily eligible for grants, or even if I was, the tuition was higher than what grants would have covered. So I was kind of reintroduced to the federal student aid process, and, and this time I got loans. And when I first got loans, it was with the best of intentions because I had an employer who was going to reimburse me as much as eight thousand dollars a year based on my grades in tuition reimbursement so i thought wow. i'll get the loans i'll get the reimbursement and i'll pay it off right mm. but the road to you know where is paved with good intentions mm. so when after i took the classes and i posted my grades and i got the eight thousand dollar reimbursement check at 24 or 25 years old, do you think that I did the responsible thing and paid off my student loans? Or did I do the 25 year old thing and spend the money? I'll give you one guess. Mm. <laughs> I bet that money went for yeah, something everybody other knows than... Nino spent the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody wow. knows that Nino spent the money. 
right? So not only, so that was mistake number one. Number one, there's more <laughs> to this story. So as my career progressed, um, I, I still hadn't finished the degree and I switched careers and I started working for a university as an admissions advisor. And you know what they offer employees at a university? Mm-hmm. They offer them significantly reduced, if not free tuition to get your education. So I enrolled and for some stupid reason, I applied for student loans that I didn't need. <laughs> wow. And all of a sudden, I was getting student loan stipend checks and I was treating it as if it was income. Like it was mm. just another source of income. And, you know, this, the federal student loan limit at that time was $58,000. So $58,000 later, I was saddled with a huge student loan that could have been completely avoided by using my reimbursement check more wisely Mm -hmm. and by not taking student loans when my tuition was free. Wow. So if you wanna talk about getting yourself into a mess and a whole lot of dumb, I don't know that there's anybody more stupid on the planet getting into student loan debt than this guy on this side of the microphone right now. Um, I have to be honest, that might, you might, that might take the cake right there. That's, uh, (laughs) I haven't heard a story like that before, Nino. And, um, it, uh, I actually feel almost emotional for you over that because holy crap, that's, that's uh, some serious, uh, maybe regret. I mean, there's, yeah. um, wow. Wow. It was, a, it was a tremendous blunder. <laughs> and, you know, I could sit here and I could try, like, I could very easily say, you know, nobody educated me and, and nobody mm. kind of like, if somebody would have maybe sat me down and showed me the numbers and, and, and would have shown me how crazy it would have gotten, maybe I would have chose something differently. But at the end of the day, I made decisions. I made bad decisions. They were very, Mm -hmm. very poor decisions, but I made some decisions. And now I have to live with the consequence of the decisions that I made. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel great. I'm not thrilled about having to pay this money back. And at this point, it's, uh, I've come a long, long way. Um, I don't remember exactly what my balance is today, but it isn't 58. And to be honest, it wasn't, it got up over 64. And one mm. of the reasons why I got up over $64,000 is because a couple of times I took a few forbearances. Mm. And if you're not familiar with your forbearance, the forbearance means that you're not going to pay your monthly payment in exchange for, they're going to still charge you interest and all that unpaid interest then gets capitalized at the end of it and it becomes part of your loan balance. And then they're charging interest on top of the interest that they just capitalized. That's, that's really important for people to know right now. 
that is really, really important for people to know? Yes. Forbearance really, really should only be when you actually cannot pay on the mm-hmm. loan mm-hmm. due to whatever hardship that might be. Maybe you're unemployed at the time, um, wh- whatever the case may be. But considering that the federal government will also offer income-based repayment, mm-hmm. you're better off having them evaluate your payment ability based off of your income than you are just stopping st- stopping payments for you know six or 12 months. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, this comes back to everything that we talk about too, is knowing where your money is going, right? And building your plan. Um, and, you know, that's a good example of forbearance. You know, I, I've worked with a couple of people that their their loans are in forbearance right now. And they thought because they didn't, you know, investigate further, right? That I don't have to worry about it. Well, when we had the conversation, you know, some of that vocabulary, <clears throat> conversation is, you know, what's the difference between deferment and forbearance and where are your loans? And they realized, oh, I'm in forbearance. They're like, what? Because, you know, and again, this might sound harsh, but I like the fact that you said, you know, there's some personal responsibility in all of this too, right? And where some of the clickbait and some of these, you know, the the headlines that come out make us feel like everything's going to be okay and make us feel like, Ooh, I don't have to worry. My loans are just, you know, I don't have to make payments. The government's just putting everything on pause. And, you know, you know, well, what I was going to say there, I'm not going to, because I keep this, you know, apolitical, but you can't trust everything that you read, right? You can't trust everything that you hear. So right. go directly to the source, right? And, and, um, mm-hmm. and it goes back to not keeping your head in the sand, right? Know what it is that you're dealing with. Um, I think that forbearance, frankly, it feels like it should be criminal. It really feels like it should be criminal. You shouldn't be able to charge interest on interest that's already, you know, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, uh, I share my story in hopes that, um, one, that it can kind of be relatable, not that anybody's making those epically ridiculous decisions, but that when you think about, okay, maybe you have 20 or 30 or $40,000 in student loans, that you start to realize that although how you got here may suck and it would have been nice to have more education Mm -hmm. around these things so that you could have made possibly different decisions, um, it's it's about recognizing where you are and, and moving forward. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's all we can do. All we can do is recognize where we are and move forward. And so as we talk about all the time, moving forward just means let's have a plan. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of started this off by talking about the payment pause. We we took a little bit of a detour just to kind of explore, you know, uh, the downside to not understanding forbearance. We started to talk a little bit about forgiveness and programs that already exist and what you need mm-hmm. to do to even be eligible for those. But I think what I really what I really want to hone in on right here is you can only like I just said, you you gotta start from where you are and you gotta move forward. 
-hmm. So let's recognize where you are. Mm -hmm. Let's recognize what is the plan to move forward. And if something like loan forgiveness happens to happen, then great. But mm -hmm. let's not count on that. Let's count on us. Let's count on our own abilities, our own knowledge, our own. Let's affect like. I don't like to be affected by outside forces. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be affected by some. But I like to affect my situation. Mm -hmm. And while there's a part of me that's like, well, darn it, I kind of missed out on the payment pause because I refinanced right before the pandemic. I got to tell you, as much as I don't like my monthly student loan payment mm -hmm. to log on and watch it go down and down and down and make the progress that I'm making. And I know that if I don't pay an extra penny towards paying it off early, I, at least now I know the true end date because mm -hmm. I was on income based repayment for a while. And that, that, that elongates how long you're going to be in mm -hmm. debt. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with our listeners. My student loan payment is $564 a month. Mm. Do you think I like making that payment every month? Absolutely no. not. But again, I feel fortunate. I feel blessed that I can make that payment and that I'm watching mm. my, my, my um, loan actually get paid off because when I was in forbearance, when I was in deferment, when I was in income-based repayment, my balance wasn't going down. Mm -hmm. My balance was always going up to actually watch it go down. And it, it just, it brings a, there, there's a level of stress that was relieved when I kind of got that all figured out and just decided I'm going to attack this thing. Um, my wife and I, we started off with between the two of, two of us at one point, our student loans totaled $105,000. Mm. Today, together, we're at about 60 wow. between the two of us. Wow. So it's been, you know, it's been a long journey, $45,000 of heartache mm -hmm. and frustration. And remember a couple of moments ago, I said that my student loan payment is $564. That doesn't even include the 312 that hers is. So mm -hmm. <laughs> over $800 a month mm -hmm. in student loan payments. And it sucks and I don't like it, but it's, it's because I, I put my faith or not even my faith. I didn't understand what was going on. And by not understanding what was going on, mm -hmm. I was only making things worse. Mm -hmm. So I think, and I think that's why I you share know, it, this. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's great for people to hear it. Right. And you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a person I've never had student loans. So that has never been something that has, um, you know, been a part of my life. Um, but my kids have them. Um, and a, a lot of people that I work with have them. Right. And I think it's important to just share. And what I really, what I love about what you said, you know, is that, you know, I want to bring out a couple of things that you didn't necessarily say, but, you know, a sense of accomplishment, you know, on everything that you and your wife have been able to accomplish. That's huge. And that needs to be celebrated because it's not easy. 
right? Um, and, and being able to make those payments, that's awesome. But but celebrating the the success and and you're able to be doing this right now because you put together a plan, right? Because you knew that it was important and you're working your plan, right? And um, would you be able, would you be in this spot right now if you didn't have your plan, if you didn't have your budget, if you didn't say, listen, this is important, we want to get it taken care of? You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to guess probably not, right? But you took the time to to sit down and say, listen, what do I need to do? What's important here, right? And you and your wife agreed that, hey, we need to get these knocked out, you know? And um, yeah. it's important. And, you know, and, and here's the thing too. If you need to, like you said, you know, there was a period of time where you went on forbearance, you know, income-based, I think I want people, you know, to look at all the options, right? Knowing what your options are. If something drastic, something terrible hits your family, right? And you need to know your options for repayment on these loans, right? But know mm -hmm. your options and decide what's going to be truly the best for your situation. But also know what your budget can handle, right? Know what your plan can handle each month. So you're not just putting it off kind of blindly, right? I think if anything, if any of the stories mm -hmm. you shared really was about education and knowing, you know, gaining, gathering the information, right? And so listeners, you know, put together your budget, put together your plan, right? So you know what your budget can handle. So if you need to go on in, in, income-based repayment for a while, right? And, and look at that, or, um, you know, if it is forbearance for a short period of time, just to get over whatever, you know, you need to get through, but know what your options are. Um, but to just not be making the payments, you're really prolonging things. You're adding yeah. years yeah. on where you might very well, you know, no payments for two and a half years now. It's not just adding on two and a half years of payments at the end of your loan because of the interest and everything, yeah. depending on what you, you very well could be right. adding a lot more years on. So, um, you know, it doesn't translate day for day um, in right. some instances. That's an important, so, that's an important distinction um, because exactly right. Like anytime I went into forbearance, if I went into forbearance for six months, it's not that it, my loan was just extended by six months. It was <clears> extended <throat> even longer than that because of the payments. Um, <clears throat> and I think about, I try to think back to those times and so many of those times, and again, this just might've been my own stupidity. And, and, and this is not to suggest that there aren't times when it's really needed, because of course mm -hmm. there are. But <clears throat> every time I can think back to when I went into deferment. So if I went back into school, I went back into an in-school deferment, which just meant now I didn't have to make a payment, but at least the interest wasn't calculating either on some of my loans, not all of them. Mm -hmm. Some of your loans still accrue interest, even when they're in deferment. Um, so when I went back to school and I was in an in-school deferment, when I took my forbearance, and even when I was on income-based repayment, I didn't do those things because I couldn't afford the monthly payment. I did it for convenience because I didn't mm. want to. And again, that's my mm. own personal thing. And that's not to suggest that there aren't others who need those things. But sometimes right. I've worked with enough clients too, where it was the same thing. They could afford a mm. student loan payment, a full student 
student loan payment, but they were on income based because it was more convenient. Well, is it really more convenient when it's adding years and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of interest every year to stay in those loans? Right. And I always ask, so this might be a good question, right? How is my future self going to react to this decision right now? Right. Is my future self going to kick my butt because I chose to take some convenience routes versus right kind of buckling down? Or is my future self going to be like, you know what? You made the right decision. I always ask myself that when I'm going through anything, right? How is my future self going to react with this? Because it makes us think, hopefully it brings out a different thought process, right? Because we all have those instances now where we can look and say, gosh, I wish they always say hindsight's 2020. Well, let's turn that around. What's my future self going to say about this, right? <laughs> so what's your future self say if you um, are using some of this for convenience instead of out of necessity? I love that question. And I can tell you right now that 24 year old Nino didn't care a lick about 35 year old Nino. Um, in mm. fact, 25 year old Nino probably thought that 35 year old Nino would have, uh, I don't know, gotten some highfalutin paying job or something. And I'll, I'll be making more money down the road mm. and, and it'll be easier. And what, 35 year old Nino found out is not only was 25 year old Nino wrong about it'll be easier. Um, he found out that just because you make more money doesn't mean that you have more money. Cause usually when you make more money, you end up spending more money and all of a sudden, you know, things that you could have lived without are all of a sudden they're necessities and I have to have it. And, and so, too often um, is the case that as your pay goes up, your expenses go up. And that debt or that thing that you did that you figured, oh, I'll clean it up when I make more money, you mm -hmm. don't end up cleaning it up because you're, you're busy doing everything else that life mm -hmm. has to offer that you kind of lose sight of. But I need right. to clean this mess up that I made. <laughs> Right, right. Wow. <clears throat> wow. All right. Well, I want to shift gears, if I may, a little <clears throat> bit back to thinking about September 1. So the, the current payment pause will end on August 31st of 2022, which means September would be the first month that people have to get back into repayment. And there's a couple of things that I want to, a uh, couple of things I want to talk about to get our listeners thinking about what they're going to do come September. And I want mm -hmm. to start by sharing a story. So I was sitting down with a client recently who was ecstatic to learn that the payment pause was extended because it was going to end, I believe here in April, um, but it got extended until August. So she was very excited about that <clears throat> because for her situation, uh, her student student loans were in default, which means mm. she hadn't paid on them in a very, very long time. And because they were in default, the government had started garnishing her wages. So they were taking a couple of hundred bucks a month out of her paycheck because 
that's how far behind she was. And the federal government can do whatever they want. So there was no real stopping that. Now, with the payment pause, it did pause the garnishments. Mm. Okay. So that was kind of like a, a little bit of a relief for, for this particular client. So we're looking ahead and we're thinking about <clears throat> what happens when student loans go back into repayment. And can she expect that her wages are going to be garnished again? Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing some research on her behalf. And I found an article that I don't necessarily believe or trust because it's just an article and it did not come from the studentaid.gov website. Mm -hmm. But there is talk about when student loans go back into repayment, taking everybody who was in default and marking them current. Mm. So that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And if it's a possibility, it would give her this particular client an opportunity to do something different and something better. So we're already talking about possibly looking at income-based repayment. We're, we're looking at what would it cost if you actually just made the payments yourself. But that might be a huge opportunity. Might be. Mm -hmm. This is not... This has not been, you know, kind of approved through legislation or anything yet, but it might be an opportunity for people who were experiencing things like wage garnishment or um, federal tax refund garnishment. Mm -hmm. If that's something you were experiencing with your student loans, there may be an opportunity to at least kind of hit the reset button. You're still going to have to pay. There's no forgiveness in sight but maybe an opportunity for you to regain control and become current on those payments. You know, and I look at this too, it, if that happens, right? Cause we want to be sure that we say, you know, if it does, that nothing has been um, set in stone, but you know, if it does, I just look to it, how that's going to change just mentally how we handle some of this, right? And taking some of the, I hope, taking some of the pressure off, knowing that we've been in default or maybe garnishment or, you know, and handling and the stress and the frustration and the, the anger and the, the, you know, just all the negative emotions that that oftentimes brings to us. Right. And so if this does happen, right, that, that this program does pull out of, um, you know, pull some of those student loans out of default, how much better, hopefully, Americans are going to feel, right, just knowing, okay, I have, dare I say, maybe a second chance, right? This this yeah. is kind of a second chance to make a different choice, right, and, and a different decision, and like you said, hopefully a better one. So, um, you know, I do hope that that does get passed, and that is something, um, you know, that will actually come to fruition for people. Yeah. We've, we've said it on the show before about controlling what you can control. And what would be nice is, like you said, if this actually happens where people are going to be kind of marked as current 
it'll give them an opportunity to regain control. When you are being garnished of your wages, when your tax refunds are being garnished, you aren't in control. The government is. So it would just be nice to regain the control and take the time between now and September to formulate a plan, a real plan for your student loans. And if it's something where you can afford to make full payments, I'd encourage you to do so. But if you need something like income-based repayment, well then, you know, maybe going through the application process now, not necessarily submitting the application, but at least kind of filling it out to know what information is going to be needed, what information is mm -hmm. going to be affecting your uh, the, the response. And for the client I'm working with, Right now, she's being garnished a couple hundred dollars a month. Well, what I want her to do is find out what is your regular payment? What would an income-based repayment look like to see if she can, even if it ends up being the same dollar amount, but instead of having it garnished, mm -hmm. being the one who's making the payment and just regaining control of the situation. Yeah. And <clears throat> I love that. I love it. And, and, you know, I talk a lot about feelings and how does that make you feel? Because it, when I believe that when we've got a plan together, right. And we're feeling better about things, quite honestly, um, things tend to move a little bit more smoothly. Right. And we're more, um, we just have a better attitude towards it. It reduces some of the stress and, and it carries over into the other areas of our finances too. Right. And so um, even if it's the same amount, just being in control, right. And feeling like you're the one making the decision. Um, powerful. It's powerful and it can change your outlook on your financial situation, you know, all the way around. Yeah. Mm. I like, I like helping people get back in control of their financial situation for all the reasons you just said. Mm -hmm. When you're in control of your financial situation, you will have less stress. And that's not to say that there won't be some stressful moments or whatnot, but I think back to one of my favorite clients. She did not make a ton of money. We're talking about maybe take home five to $600 a week. So what's that, about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a year? Not very much money at all. But she had some incredible discipline. And she used that discipline to radically change her financial mm -hmm. situation. When we first were working together, she was behind on a bunch of bills. She had debt collectors calling her. And we worked together for... Uh, a couple of years, but it did not take a couple of years. Within four to six months, she was all caught up on all of her past bills. The debt collections had stopped. And then she was focusing on saving money for like her peace of mind fund. And, uh, and then she actually was able to uh, go back to school and cash flow uh, wow. her education, which 
you know. That's incredible. It, that's that's a significant change. And all it took was mm -hmm. some discipline. Yeah. Um, living well within your means and uh, and having a plan for what do I do with the surplus? Mm -hmm. So it it all just goes back to having a plan. Have a plan for your money. Have a plan for when student loans go back into repayment. And if you need help developing that plan, Sarah and I and other New Money Habit coaches are available uh, to talk to to create that plan. Um, so you can visit the show notes. You can visit our website at newmoneyhabits.com and you can schedule time, one-on-one -on -one time with a financial coach, somebody who's going to take the time to really understand your situation, help to get you educated on your options um, and somebody who can really guide you to a path. You know, you're gonna develop a plan with them and then they're gonna be there to mm -hmm. cheer you on you know, as you take the, the steps needed to achieve whatever goals you set out. I love that. You know, and I'll tell Any you, you know, I, I've used, oh. well, I've, I've used my own coaches, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter kind of what season of life we're in. You know, I'm just going to say that we've all got kind of some blind spots and could use some, you know, a different perspective and different options because finances are emotional and sometimes we forget, right? Or we don't know that there's, there's different options. And so I use my own coaches and I love it. Um, and I would not be in this place that I am right now had I not reached out to talk with a coach before. So just a plug, I, I firmly believe in it. Um, and that's why I use my own. Well, thank you for that plug. Um, yeah, everybody, everybody can benefit from coaching. I think about, I'm a big football fan. And mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan, which means I'm not a big fan of a gentleman by the name of Tom Brady. But I will <laughs> say, even though he is objectively the best quarterback who ever has played the game, even <laughs> he gets coached. Mm -hmm. right? Maybe not financially coached, but even he gets coached. Somebody who is a master in his craft still gets coached by others. And so it's the same for us financial coaches, us good ones, mm -hmm. we get coached by others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> well, I think this has been another great uh, dive mm -hmm. into some recent events. I hope that our listeners got a little bit of um, tickle of the intellect. That's like my new, I, I like that. <laughs> tickling of the intellect. I hope we tickled your intellect and you're thinking about man, maybe I should get a better sense of my overall student loan situation. And that actually just reminded me that oftentimes our financial situation, whether it's student loans or otherwise, is worse in our head mm -hmm. than it actually is on paper. And so sometimes we don't investigate and we don't look closer because we're afraid of what we might see. But oftentimes I've worked with so many people and I can only think of one time where when we put it on paper, somebody's like, it, it's worse than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. it's only once yeah. that I can remember <laughs> so many times right. it's, 
it's this isn't as bad as I thought it was. And that is usually the case. So I encourage you, go and look at it. Don't be afraid of it. Dig in. And and again, if you need help, get the help that you mm-hmm. need so that uh, you can regain control of your finances. Absolutely. And you know what, you know, I'm going to push back on one of those words that you said, though. Because if we Please. if we're tickling people's intellect, right? I don't want it to be maybe I should go and look. I want people to say I want to go and look. Right? Should should is mm. is kind of a icky word in my opinion. So I want people to want to go and take a look, right? To want to address the situation, to to want to um educate themselves, right? And to say, "Okay, where am I at?" Right? So I'm just going to push back on the word should and say, I, I want you, I want all of our listeners to just go and take a look. And I appreciate you pushing back because now you got me thinking, not only <laughs> are you right, and I, I, I do desire the same thing. I want our, want our listeners to want to take control of their, their financial situation. So it reminds me that we are not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. And so mm. I want everybody who's listening to not be afraid because that is not the spirit mm. you've been endowed with. You've been endowed with a spirit of power. So go check out the situation and take control of it. That's the best. That's the best. I love it. I love it. Go. Absolutely. All right. <sighs> well, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and we will continue the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the new money habits podcast brought to you by new money habits and keeping up with the Joneses financial coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.